1: repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
2: Angie's list is now Angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why.
1: I thought it was an eco move. Your words less paper. No, it was so you could
2: say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A N G I. Or download the app today.
3: G'day mates, it's B Buster here. And before the episode begins. I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening guys, and without further ado, let's begin. So I grew up in San Antonio, but my father's side of the family are from Jordanton, Pleasanton, and Christine areas, about 30 miles south of San Antonio, and my mother's side of the family are from El Paso, West Texas area. They have some stories from being around these areas, but here's a few of them from my family. So my father grew up in the Pleasanton-Christine areas of Texas, which is about 20 to 30 miles south of San Antonio in the Texas brush country. The Texas brush country is a huge part of South Texas. It's not necessarily desert, but kind of a medium between the oak tree or cedar tree forests of the Texas hill country and the almost desert landscape of northern Mexico. Miles of wide open ranch land with loads of thorn and mesquite trees, with some oak trees sprinkled in for good measure. Growing up, we'd go down and visit family members in that region and when the sun would go down, I always felt creeped out by the area. There are some creeks there, too, that make you swear that you're in Louisiana swamps, with large trees hanging over the creek beds, covered in Spanish moss and giving the areas a very creepy vibe, especially at night. It's well known, too, that there are now lots of wild Chile piquin plants along lots of rivers and creeks in this area because when Santa Ana's army were making their way to San Antonio before the Battle of Alamo, the soldiers had with them chile piquin peppers to make salsa and add spiciness to their foods when they would make camp. And naturally, lots of the soldiers would drop excrement along the creeks and the seeds of the peppers would find their way into the soil and begin sprouting the pepper plants. Anyway... One of my father's uncles claims that he saw a large winged humanoid bird with glowing eyes swoop down on he and one of his buddies while out at the lake known as Choke Canyon, fishing for catfish late into the night from the bank without a boat. The story goes that it was around 11pm or so on a Friday night. And my father's uncle Robert and his buddy Chester, the two men had decided to go fishing for catfish and drink some beers and enjoy the start of the weekend with a nice relaxing nighttime fishing trip to the lake, which was about 30 miles from the town that they lived. So Robert, having worked in construction and having worked that entire day was feeling pretty sleepy and decided to nap in the truck while Chester stayed on the lake bank, listening to the radio and watching their fishing rods that were casted out into the water. Uncle Robert climbs into the driver's seat of his truck and falls asleep pretty much instantaneously. An hour or so goes by... And he's rudely awoken by Chester, who is screaming and pounding his fist on the passenger side of the truck, yelling like a madman for Robert to unlock the door to let him into the truck cabin. Robert unlocks the door and asks Chester, who is out of breath and panicking, what the heck is going on. Chester, clearly panicked and freaking out, says to start the truck up and for them to get the heck out of there. He said that he was chilling in his folding chair and had just caught a small catfish and had thrown it back into the water, had sat back down in his folding chair when he heard what sounded like a large bird flapping its wings behind him. He stood up and turned around and there was a a bird-like humanoid kind of like a large crane-like bird with a human face and beak-like mouth with glowing red eyes and a massive wingspan, something like 12 to 15 foot wingspan. He turned around and sees this thing flapping just behind and above him and appeared to be readying to land right where Chester was sitting. So at that, he legged it. These two were born and bred South Texan country boys, like my father, and had grown up in the brush country hunting birds, bobcats, alligators at that same lake, fishing, and being common rural kids. So they had a lifetime of experiences with wildlife in that region, and had never seen anything like it. Robert starts up the truck, and in the rearview mirror, illuminated in the red glow of the brake lights... Robert also sees the large bird-like creature land behind the truck and begin walking around the truck over to the passenger side and just like it had been relayed to him, it was shaped like a man-sized crane with thin long legs that looked like it would stand at eye level with an average height man and it was the creepiest thing that he had ever seen. That was when Robert knew that Chester wasn't screwing around and he throws the truck into gear and just peels out of there. They end up getting back to Robert's place and Chester and he both decide to spend the night together, shotguns in hand, until morning which is when they decide what to do next. They ended up going back the following day armed to the tooth to retrieve their fishing poles, folding chairs and other fishing gear and found the footprints of the whatever it was that they saw, still fresh, and in the sand around their fishing spot. This happened in the 70s, so it was before smartphones with cameras. When my father told me this story, I pictured something like a, a tall shoebill, I guess, but there's really nothing like that in this part of the state. Maybe it just wanted to eat the fish that Chester had just caught... Following the incident they would end up eventually going back to fish in the evenings but they would always be sure to take firearms for protection from that point on. This next story happened to my great grandparents on my father's mother's side. So they lived on their small cattle and livestock ranch in Christine, Texas for the last later decades of their lives. Christine is a super small town where everyone knows everyone And there's really no need to lock your doors when you leave or when you go to bed. My great-grandparents were the warmest people that you would ever meet. Always smiling, sharing humorous stories with friends and family. They'd take your coats or jackets when you'd enter their warm home and before hanging them up on their coat rack, they'd sneak a $20 bill into your pocket for you to find later. They were the kind of older couple who were always poking harmless jokes at each other in front of company to entertain you. Super charming and loving, and always smiling and loving the life that they'd built for themselves. Visiting them was always a treat too because I grew up in the city, and when we would visit on the weekend, my great-grandfather would take my younger brother and I around the ranch to see the animals and livestock, pet the horses, feed the goats, and throw rocks into the stock pond. When we'd return to their house from seeing the ranch... My great-grandmother would have our favorite breakfast for dinner on the table. Fresh hash browns, farm-raised bacon and ham, homemade tortillas, mild and spicy salsas, and fried eggs. Oh, and coffee. Always with coffee, even if it was dinner time. And we loved it. Anyway, this story takes place during the 1960s. Not exactly sure on the year, but... My great grandparents were in their late 50s, and their children, my grandmother, were all grown up and had gotten married and moved out at this point. It was just the two of them living on the ranch. So, they were on their way home from visiting some family in the south side of San Antonio, about 70 miles away. They had lost track of time, so it was pretty late in the evening when they left. And they're driving back home to their ranch near Christine, Texas. And on their route, they have to drive over this wooden bridge that extends over a deep creek. I think sometime in the 1980s, a better road was paved into that town that no longer made it necessary to have to take this small dirt road and bridge from the Highway 16 to their small ranch. In fact, several years ago, the wooden bridge was torn down and a new bridge was built using steel and concrete. Spanish moss now hangs from the trees, which really makes it creepy, And from what I remember, this bridge is about 80 feet long from end to end. Due to the creek, it extends over being relatively wide as well. Underneath the bridge is a good 30 to 40 foot drop down to the creek bed. And for the most part, the creek is dry year round and really only sees water flow during rainstorms. But as my great grandparents are driving over this wooden bridge, their truck suddenly dies and comes to a stop near the middle of the bridge. My great-grandfather starts swearing up a storm because he's tired. It's late and they're still about 10 miles from home. He maintains his truck better than most and they had a full tank of gas. Even the headlights and the cabin lights shut off so they were stuck there with only the moon bathing them and their surroundings in the soft moonlight. My great-grandfather was born in the brush country of South Texas so there's not much that he hasn't seen out there. And in this situation, while most people might be a little bit intimidated to leave the safety of their vehicle, my great-grandfather was in his element out at night in what is essentially his backyard. Thinking that it has to be a battery connection that has come loose, my great-grandfather asks great-grandmother to hang tight, pops the hood and opens his door, stepping out into the cool night to check under the hood and hope to diagnose the issue. As he's struggling to see, fumbling with the battery connections under the hood, behind him, he hears the sound of clip-clops on the wooden bridge. It sounded like steps of a hoofed animal approaching him from behind. He turns around and lets his eyes adjust to the dim moonlight to see what's making that noise. Maybe it's a deer or a cow or a goat that has gotten loose from one of the other ranches in the area. Squinting, he looks down the bridge and sees what appears to be a a very thin man, about five and a half feet tall, but with a set of very large ram horns on his head, walking upright, approaching him from the opposite end of the bridge, its hoofed feet clip-clopping on the wooden bridge. That was what was making the sound, as it's steadily trotting towards him, a cold chill ran up my great grandfather's spine, and he quickly shut the truck hood and hops back into the driver's seat, slamming shut the door behind him and locking it. My great grandmother, confused by his sudden reactions, asks what's going on, and my great grandfather points at the humanoid that is now slowly approaching their vehicle. She sees it and reacts with, What the heck is that? A goat? And they sat there, watching it approach them and their vehicle. They can now see that the horns on its head are very large, much larger than any ram or goat that they've ever seen, but still cannot make out whether it was a ram or a goat's head or a a human's head. It was about 20 feet from the front of their truck when it hunches over and begins walking on all fours of its cloven feet, they can only vaguely make out its features as it reaches their vehicle and begins circling them. My great-grandparents twisting and turning in their seats to watch it as it's bobbing its head up and down, pacing around their truck. It doesn't ever touch their truck, it only sort of slowly saunters around their vehicle with the only sound in the night being its hooves clipping and clomping on the wooden bridge. And though it was dark and difficult to make out its exact features... They both agreed that it had the body of a bony, skinny man, but with the head of a goat. They both said that the creepiest part of the encounter was watching its large horns bobble around the front and rear of their truck, unsure if it was going to do anything to them, and how it felt like an evil or demonic entity. That they could sense it not being a normal animal, but a creature with evil intent, it seemed. They hold their breath and don't know what to do, and my great-grandmother, being very Catholic, begins praying quietly under her breath. On its fifth or sixth time walking around their truck, it stands back up on its hind legs and meanders towards the opposite end of the bridge from which it came, eventually disappearing into the black night and leaving them in the truck, frightened and shaken. Weirdly, too, a moment later, like clockwork, power is restored to their vehicle and my great grandfather starts the truck up and peels out of there quickly making a beeline for their home where they rush into the house and grab firearms and they spend the rest of the night locking all their doors and windows and they didn't get any sleep when we were younger my cousins and I would go and visit what we believed is the same bridge I'm not sure if it was the actual bridge where this apparently took place but it was very similar And we would park our truck out there, get out and thrill ourselves by walking around out there after dark with flashlights and embrace the creepy ambience, armed with shotguns and rifles, of course. My great-grandparents, they never saw anything like that creature again, but from that night onward, my great-grandfather always kept a loaded shotgun and a pistol in his truck with him. He never left without one, in fact. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units, and with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Now, this final one, my father, who was working as a construction contractor, had a work crew leave a job site in a panicked frenzy once because they apparently saw a Bigfoot-like creature in the creek behind the house that they were working on. It happened at a house that they were building a two-story garage at in the hill country, a little bit north of Spring Branch, Texas. I think it was around 1998. I was around nine years old. My brother was six at that time, The house that they were working on was on a piece of land way out between Blanco and Spring Branch. My father told us the work crew called him from a payphone at a gas station in Boulevard around noon and told him that they weren't going back to the job site until the following day because they were just too frightened. And also if it would be okay for them to bring some rifles and shotguns to keep in their trucks on that project until they were done. Mind you, they were a no-nonsense group of Mexican laborers, hard-working guys who would be at the job site from like 8am until sundown, busting their butts in the hot sun to earn a decent paycheck. But apparently, around lunchtime, after the crew had eaten and were resting in their trucks and in the shade of some of the trees, one of the guys went down to the creek behind the house to take a pee and explore the property a bit until it was time for them to get back to work. Behind the house was a sort of sloped wooded area that led down to a nice little shallow creek and it was here where he said that he saw what he thought was a big brown bear peeking around a tree at him. Naturally he got a bit spooked and startled slowly backpedaling to the house up the hill trying his best not to make any sudden movements and to not take his eyes off of this bear As he was making his way back up the steep hill to the house job site to where the rest of the guys were, the bear ran from behind the tree and darted across the creek and into the woods on the other side. That was when the worker got a clear look at it and saw that it wasn't a bear. It ran upright on two legs and had the build of a large man covered in dark fur. When he saw it run and realized that it wasn't a bear... That's when he broke into a frenzied run to the rest of the guys, screaming at them to get into the trucks and for them to leave. They were a little thrown off by him, but he jumped into his truck and peeled off. And the rest of them, they saw how scared he was, and so they quickly followed him in their own two trucks.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well.
3: When I was a teenager, me and my friends, we used to quite frequently go to abandoned buildings of different sorts. This hobby kind of got worn out for me personally, but when I was at my first or second year of university, I noticed a, a weird, not too big, abandoned building very close to my uni. My uni is located pretty much downtown. The place that we are talking about is very crowded and filled with elite property, stores, and historical buildings. So, it was sort of weird seeing the building just standing there in some sort of a yard between other buildings. And so, I grabbed my friends, there were four of us, and we decided to check it out. We came there late at night, so there would not be more eyes than necessary. It was also winter. We grabbed our tools and broke a lock to one of the entrances, but it was a dead-end-ish sort of small room. It was pretty creepy, with a wheelchair standing there. We then found another door, though, to the building. It was locked more heavily this time. We couldn't break the lock itself, so we somehow managed to make a big hole in the door so that everyone could just climb in there. It was very loud, obviously, so after we had done it, we decided to wait a bit before going in, just in case someone called the cops on us. After an hour spent at the nearby McDonald's, we proudly, with how we handled that super-locked door that seemed to haven't been opened for years decided to go in the building felt empty and damaged there wasn't really much stuff there besides concrete walls and a lot of trash which we thought was old there was no light in there at all every window was locked too it's sort of creepy to think back on this decision but the first thing that we decided to do is to go to the attic all of us it was pretty much more of the same though a lot of trash, some graffiti, and generally nothing too interesting. Then we decided to come back to the floor that we started from and check it out properly. And while we were there, for some reason, I guess being kind of creeped out from the atmosphere, just standing in the corridor, which allowed to overview two big halls, both of them were filled with trash. One of us decided to go across the hall. We could see him clearly with a flashlight, To check out some sort of shack that was located in those piles of trash in the end of the hall. He looked inside and then rushed back to us very concerned. He said that there was apparently a body inside. We all thought that it was a dead person at first because the building was locked and I mean there was no way that there was someone living in there somehow. We honestly felt like someone died and nobody seemed to care. This discussion could not be continued, though, because we then actually saw someone coming at us, a mere silhouette at first, but we lost our minds from this, and we rushed into the door hole, which was not perfect for anyone to climb through it in such a rush, but while we were making it out, this person shouted something angry at us with a rather unsettling voice, and was mad at us for breaking the door. We were terrified because of just how unexpected that was. We honestly believed that there could not have been anyone in a locked abandoned building like that, that was out of use for years and partially damaged. I guess we just never thought to ourselves that maybe it was not the city that locked it, but someone managed to privatize the locks. The guy himself was creepy too, living in absolute darkness like that, full of trash in an abandoned private hospital. Living in absolute darkness like that, full of trash, in an abandoned private hospital? Afterwards, we tried to find out what that trash was, but it was the best guess that it was just trash. In the end, we got away and nobody was harmed, which we were thankful for, but it was a, a real wake-up call to be much more careful about doing this.
1: You can live out your master chef dreams.
3: So I'm currently staying in some friend's garage made into a temporary apartment until I get back on my feet. Right off the bat of moving in, I got weird vibes in it too. For the first couple of weeks, I kept having intense nightmares that were partially sleep paralysis where someone or something is in the garage with me, hiding in the corners watching me, then slithering around and peeking at me from below the side of my bed or something coming up behind me and grabbing me. One specific window in the garage creeps me out the most, though. It's not covered with anything, so if anyone was outside, they could just look in, and I can't see out due to the lights that I have on inside. My cat will often sit in the window and scratch at it as if she's trying to get out to something outside, which is weird for her because she's freaked out by being outside, is a bit of a big wimpy indoor pampered baby, so... The only conclusion that I have is that there's something out there that she's trying to get at. One day a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to music on my headphones. I had my laptop open, had nothing but the main screen on it. I was dancing around vibing to the music when I suddenly heard a weird deep sound somewhere in the garage with me when the song that I had on was ending and I could slightly hear my surroundings again. I turned around and on my laptop the screen was suddenly jumbled and glitchy looking and then started showing or flashing these weird symbols that didn't look familiar at all. I ripped my headphones off and this terrifying sound was playing from my laptop, like this deep demonic voice that sounded like it was speaking backwards was playing. It was honestly the scariest thing that I've ever heard in my life and... I love spooky stuff, but this was like the type of evil voice that I've heard only in absolute worst nightmares. It sort of resembled the song Masked Ball from the Eyes Wide Shut soundtrack, if you've heard it, but way deeper and more evil and creepy sounding. The strange glitchy symbols kept flashing and changing on the screen while this weird backwards voice was speaking through my laptop... I tried to shut it off or hit escape, but nothing was working. So I finally slammed it shut and immediately had a really bad panic attack. I ran inside to my friend's house and I told them what had happened while I had an absolute meltdown. I made them go back into the garage with me and inspect the laptop and the plug-ins and everything so we could try to explain why it happened. But in the end, we couldn't find an answer. What's even weirder though is that we all noticed that my laptop was actually still on mute from when I muted it like a couple of days earlier, making it even more strange that I was hearing this coming from my laptop speakers. I mean, it just should not have been possible, like at all. I still have no idea what happened or why. I would love to chalk it up to some weird technological glitch, but there's just no way… There was absolutely nothing happening on my laptop at all, and it was muted. I don't have schizophrenia, and I'm not crazy or anything. Like, I swear on my life that this happened as well, and it wasn't a hallucination or something. I really wish that I had a logical explanation for it too, because it would ease my mind a bit. It messed me up pretty bad for a while though, and the night after it happened... I spent hours just outside smoking cigarettes, staring at the garage from afar, terrified to even go in and sleep. I still have regular nightmares and sleep paralysis of something being in there with me, but to be honest, I really don't want to count on that as paranormal or anything. So, I guess my question for all of you guys is, does anyone know how or why my laptop would suddenly start flashing glitchy symbols... And a backwards demonic voice would start speaking through the muted speakers like that. If you have an answer, then please do let me know because, like I said, it would ease my mind considerably. My aunt and uncle's house was in a small desert town. They had about four acres of land and a good amount of space between neighbors. On the back of their property, there was a fenced-in area with a large shed and an old salvaged U-Haul moving truck. I was visiting for a couple of weeks one summer. My little cousin and I were about 10 or 12 at the time. And one morning, we were roaming the property by ourselves. The adults were all out running errands. We ended up walking between the fence and the old moving truck. We were on the passenger side of the truck, walking from the back towards the front... When all of a sudden, my cousin just froze. The hairs on the back of my neck stood instantly. He didn't make a noise and just pointed at the side mirror. In the reflection, we could see a man sitting in the driver's seat. His face was caked in dirt and blood. He was moving around quickly, and at one point he ducked out of our view. But We instantly turned and sprinted back to the house... We locked all the doors and called the cops and family. We were freaking out, obviously, running from room to room, looking out the windows, brandishing baseball bats, you name it. The police and family showed up after about 15 to 20 minutes. They searched all over, but they never found the man. They found the fence was bent down where he must have climbed over it. There was blood and dirt smeared all over the driver's seat of the truck, He must have been trying to steal it because the ignition wires were pulled out like he was trying to hotwire it. No explanation for the blood, and nothing happened after that. My cousin and I had nightmares for the next few nights just thinking about it, but that was really about it. The obvious bit is that he was a guy that was trying to steal the car, but why he was caked in blood like that... No one still has any idea as to why that was the case. One of my mum's friends rented an apartment, but she was away at college, so she allowed my mum and another one of her friends to live there while she was gone. My mum and this other friend lived in the upstairs apartment along with my mum's one year old baby. My older brother. My mum was a teen mum, so would have been about seventeen years old. The kitchen walls were made of tin, so it was always freezing cold. They always felt uncomfortable around that side of the apartment too. There were some strange things that they just couldn't explain. Like one time, they saw their college friend's room looked like it was on fire. It was all lit up, really strange, and was glowing unlike any light would create. They would hear footsteps coming up the stairs to the house and called the police five or six times to check the apartment. The police would come, check the apartment, and never really found anything. My mum and her friend began to suspect that it was a ghost, so they would read the Bible out loud, which made the footsteps stop so they could finally get some sleep. But one night, my mum's friend called her brother, who happened to be a sheriff in a nearby town. Her brother brought a buddy over and they came over to check the apartment following one of those episodes of footsteps. And they found that the ex-boyfriend of the friend who was living at college had been living in the attic the whole time. They think that he'd been climbing a tree into their college friend's bedroom and getting up into the attic from her closet. My mom somewhat knew this guy and she had met him before I knew who he was... But they were just acquaintances because apparently he reacted inappropriately in social situations and was hard to connect with. After my mum had moved out of the apartment and into a new one, he once came to visit my mum's new house along with the college friend. After he had left, my mum had discovered that while he was over at her house, he had rearranged my brother's furniture in really strange ways. Everything from his bed to his toy box was completely changed. Several years later, he apparently murdered an old lady by shoving her down some stairs in a shopping cart, and it was discovered that he had schizophrenia. So, he'd been living in that attic for the entire six months that my mum had lived there. It's possible that he'd been watching them, my brother as well, but they wouldn't have known the information since they never saw him. He had an entire room set up in the attic too. My mum also believes that the house also had some kind of spirit there because of the freezing rooms, uneasy feelings, biblical words having an impact, and the unexplainable situations like the glowing room. She also says that their downstairs neighbor had children who she hated and never wanted to raise. She would often neglect the kids and lock them in their bedrooms from the outside, so it's possible the entire house just had some residual negative energy from all of the absolute shenanigans. Who really knows? Thankfully, after that, the whole situation just sort of sorted itself out, which my mum was very thankful for. But it is creepy to think about someone like that just living in your house and you're completely unaware that they're there. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family, and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.
2: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs,